It's Friday evening, it's five o'clock, and that can only mean one thing, that's right, it is uh, Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty, two hours of sport coming from uh, Ross FM, we hope you stay tuned, we have uh, a, lot to, a lot to cover today, we start off myself and uh, myself and Brian, Brian Curran are, is here on Work Experience, he'll be making his uh, radio debut, and of course, uh, br- uh, of course, um, John Quinn is here as well. We'll be talking about the rugby. We'll be talking about the uh, soccer. We'll be talking about GA, and also we'll be uh, we'll have a, a chat about uh, Aoife O'Rourke as well, doing doing great in the European Championships, uh, winning gold in uh, Poland and qualifying for the for the uh, for the Olympics as well. So we'd like to say well done to her. And uh, also coming up in the show, then we'll also have. Uh, We'll also have uh, League of Ireland with myself and uh, Robbie Mulvey. We'll also have uh, uh, Noeline from uh, Roscommon Harriers Athletics Club coming in as well, and uh, we'll be we'll be uh, discussing how successful the the ten miler was as well last weekend. And uh, myself and Ray Lannan will also be talking about uh, looking reflecting back on uh, the All Ireland uh, quarter finals there last weekend. Some some cracking games there. So uh, we'll be looking back on those. And all that and much more, much, much more. So stay tuned. I'd like to say uh, uh, well done to um, to Joe Bambrick on another great show. And, of course, uh, Louise there uh, from uh, between three and four uh, on Echoes of Iron uh, discussing World War World War Three. So, or World War Two. World War Three hasn't happened yet, thank God. Uh, World War Two. So, uh, we're looking for... That was very interesting and, uh, you know, a, a very interesting part of history. So, um, well done there. And also, well done to all our presenters here on Ross FM who give up their time to, uh, to present some brilliant shows and don't forget you can support your show your, you can support your uh, local radio station by tuning in every day Monday to Friday from 9 o'clock until 7 where there's a wide range of um, there's a wide range of programs to suit everyone so why not tune in you can listen to us on FM 94.6 and you can also listen to us on the radio on the um, website www.rasfm.ie forward slash live or indeed on the tuning app and don't forget uh, the shows are podcasted and available on the website uh, rasfm.ie and of course Mixcloud as well so uh, and uh, don't forget uh, for, your, for your weekly dose of sport uh, every Thursday there's a GA view with myself and that's from 10 to 11 and in Thursday mornings and of course uh, this show from 5 o'clock until 7 so uh yeah, so we'd like to say well done to everyone, and uh, yeah, so we're going to kick off the show where we're going to be covering uh, a lot of uh, a lot of, a lot of things to cover, lads. And uh, I suppose we'll kick off with the GA there, the All Ireland quarterfinals was on last week. Uh, last week, Brian, uh, what were your thoughts? And I suppose the the, the Dublin game, uh, Dublin kind of ran away with it in the second half. I suppose Mayo were there, were toe to toe with Dublin in the first half, but they really ripped away. I suppose. The, the the key thing in the second half was maybe the made the personnel changes and maybe tactical changes as well. Yeah, I think uh, for the second half, um, Dublin kind of bring brought players behind the ball, and I don't think we were ready for that because we had a lot of space in the first half and they just couldn't cope. And Dublin ran out deserving winners in the end by a comfortable scoreline. But I suppose as well as you know when when you look at this Dublin team, I know like you know Jack McCaffrey was back. Uh, Stephen Cluxton was back. A lot of people questioning that, but uh, no matter what, whether you love him or hate him coming back, yeah. he, he has that experience. He has that uh, ability to calm to calm the defence, and you know there is that trust between him, and you, mm-hmm. you can't buy that. No, exactly. You can't put price on experience, you know. And the way the game has gone now with his kickouts are vital. You know, it's worth 
a few points a game and you know they could bring on Kilkenny off the bench Jack McCaffrey off the bench they have eight all our medals each so yeah. they all just don't have that yeah, that's it, and uh, you know, so that that was that. But uh, I suppose really their their midfield is, uh, you know, was t- and no emerging yeah, play, playing very well. No one, no one expected James McCarthy to have the game that he had. You know, he rolled back the years, and yeah. he just seems to be getting better with every game. And you know, they'll be looking forward to playing Ireland in the semi final. And there's no reason why they can't go all the way. I think they were under underestimated, um, maybe deservedly so going down to Division Two, but. Um, uh, there's no reason why they can't win the All Ireland. That's it, because I mean, really, as well as that, like you know, the, the other game was well. What can you say? The, the Kerry versus Tyrone. You know, the, the the highlight has to be that uh, that that kick pass by uh, David Clifford. What a like you know, he's the only one like that actually you know with the vision to see where the, the ball, but also to kind of do it because it was nearly it was yeah. nearly out and uh, you know mm-hmm. very few people, he'd be the only one that could pull it off. Like yeah, most people would have tried to offload the ball, hit it out for a sideline, but. Uh, I think he did three things at once there and to set up a goal, you know. And of course, Sean O'Shea as well was uh, mm-hmm. was top class. All everyone like uh, you know, it'd be very hard to drop any of them. Everyone, everyone from from one. To, uh, Shane Ryan had a very good game and goal yeah. for for them as well. He made some vital saves as well. And Jim of the Connor midfield as well. And I don't think uh, Sean O'Shea was having a great year. He wasn't. He didn't hit the peak that he always has been for the years, but. Again, at just at the right time, he's coming good. But I think Kerry tr- traditionally, like in the championship, they don't really peak until like the all until yeah. it comes to the All Ireland. Really, that's yeah, they the, say that's that could be a disadvantage or it could be an advantage. But I think Kerry are they're long enough on the road now that they can just turn it on when they need to turn it on. That's it, and they, they absolutely destroyed. They absolutely destroyed Tyrone, didn't they? Mm. Like, and I think uh, maybe Tyrone were given too much credit. I don't think they had a great year. Yeah, you know, just about surviving Division Two and got knocked out of the Ulster Championship and maybe they're not as good as people thought they were yeah and I suppose um, moving on then also to the, the all Ulster affair between uh, Monaghan and uh, between Monaghan and Armagh, and Armagh like that that was a, a nitty gritty um, <laughs> a yeah. nitty gritty affair there went all the way to penalties yeah I don't think the football was great but no. I think the drama definitely made up for it and uh, yeah I don't think we've ever seen a game like that before in the GA. That's uh, it, and of course uh, then the the Cork game as well. Cork weren't too weren't too bad. They did uh, they did they did well enough. No, they did well. Yeah, they they. I think the killer in that game was when Cork scored the goal. This. Derry went straight up to the other end and scored the goal, and I think that was game over. That's it, and I mean, look, Derry had a Derry had a serious year as well, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe that experience, and of course, with uh, the Glen getting to all all Ireland uh, yeah. and uh, you know getting to the All Ireland final, unfortunately, uh, they did lose it. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, Connor Glass played well from right from one right through to yeah. you know again, you know that and that's what it takes to win an All Ireland or to to, yeah. to be successful at that level. Yeah, I think they can just grind out games now. You know, maybe they haven't lived in the past, but the last two three years. They're just well able to grind out games and they're deservedly in the semi-final and who knows, maybe can cause an upset and go all the way. That's it. And moving on now to rugby and the under-20s. This is a very this is a serious under-20 team. And uh, like I was saying to you lads off-air, you know, it's it's looking good for Ireland in the coming years. This is a serious crop of rugby players at under-20s now. You, you know, we were saying about the, you know, the fly half. You know, the, the, the really quality from... from um, you know, from from one right through to fifteen as well. But uh, you know, positionally, they're they're very um, they're they're very uh, spatially aware. You know, they're 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 really tough for for you know players of that age. Yeah, and like the week they've had, like with the tragic deaths of their two colleagues in in Greece, and then for one of the players' fathers to die, and then to put that all behind them and put in performance like they did. You know, was they got off to a great start. Fiji came back into it, and then 
Ireland thankfully pulled away towards the end of the game so yeah just a great bunch of lads that's it and having such a convincing win over Australia in the previous round as well uh, they, were, they were going into this game well prepared uh, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that, John? On the on the two games, or you know, like it's great. To, it's great to see them getting to all our, uh, to get into World Cup semi-finals, yeah. and uh, you know, if the senior team now can do that in September, it'll be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, it's hard to know what to make of South Africa because they had they've had the wins and then they lost Italy, mm. which no one expected, but then they put in a great performance of the last group game. So, uh, are definitely going in as favourites, but. Um, you know that's you can't get complacent either. You have to put the put in the performance, and hopefully they get over the line and get to the final. That's it, because uh, you know it is going to be a, a serious final. Hopefully now they they can win that, and uh, yeah. So moving on to to soccer, then I suppose with Man United, there's a and like there's a lot of transfers going on. Mason Mount going to uh, to United, I suppose. Liverpool making two transfers there. They got uh, you know the the. Clear. Some teams are are well. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams buy, paying daft amount of money for yeah. for for players that aren't uh, really worth it. Really, and I don't mean that by any, you know, de- degrading the players. But there's uh, you know mm. players that aren't worth the money, and they're they're paying them just to get them. You know. Yeah, it's, uh, the money's gone out of control in the game. But I think the new seventy million is the old twenty million. So um, you could have good players, you could have flops, but it's yeah. Teams are getting their business done early, and um, Mount going to Man United. It's a definitely a blow for Chelsea, but we'll have to see how he gets on at Man United. I think he will be a success because he'll definitely improve Man United because I think he's going into a squad that players they're comfortable there so I think he's going in newly to life so I think he will be successful that's it and of course with, with Liverpool of course they have uh, the, the bought two players McAllister would be a good season mm-hmm. it would be a good sign and I mean he has great experience winning a World Cup medal with uh, with Argentina in the yeah. World Cup um, Sabalazai I think is, his, uh, yeah. is the correct, correct pronunciation He's a good, he'd be a good good boy as well but uh, yeah, it wouldn't think, be a bad yeah. midfield but I think they still need to kind of maybe invest in uh, maybe one or two other players a couple of other players just to kind of yeah, well, I think that was Liverpool's problem last year. I think they were they were okay defensively. You know, they have a solid back five that they are back four that they always play with, and then up front, you know, they've goals galore with Salah and Diaz and Nunes. But I think the midfielders where they lacked a bit of legs last year, and you know, bringing in a World Cup winner and uh, Hungarian international Slava Slay, I think. They'll definitely be a force to reckon with, and they'll be definitely up near the top next year. That's it. And uh, finally, what we'll do is we move on to Lisa O'Rourke. What, what a what a serious talent this lady is. Uh, you know herself and her sister uh, Lisa. You know, and Aoife is doing really well now. She, you know, in this European Championship, she won gold, which means she automatically qualifies for the uh, the Olympics as well. You know, these are two these are two serious boxers, and uh, you know they've they've by bright fewer by. Few, bright futures ahead of them but also I suppose for Aoife she's already been there uh, so qualifying for two Olympics in a row was great but you know we've seen how well she did and she did for considering it was her first uh, Olympics she did very well but she'd be going back she'd be going into this one kind of you know and uh, she, she'll know what it's all about and she, she'd be more experienced for that yeah exactly like um, it's not every county that is an Olympian so she's flying the flag for us common but um yeah, she'll be going there this year, and all the other boxes will, will know her name by now. 
and they'll fear her more than she fears them so there'll be no reason why she can't bring home a medal that's it and you see the thing about it is everyone will be doing their homework on her exactly, because she, yeah. she is there and she is an Olympian but uh, yeah. you know it's a, it's, it's a tough sport uh, you'd never think of taking out boxing would you John uh, you, uh, I, I, I wouldn't like definitely to take has the, I wouldn't definitely like has to the physique for it anyway <laughs> there you go he, he spends enough time in the gyms as yeah. you uh, but yeah so um, that that's it and uh, so thanks very much for that lads and we're going to uh we're going to have another interview. We're going to have League of Ireland, and that's coming up after this. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's League of Ireland chat with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and the show is, as always, kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. And uh, to join me, as always, to talk about all things League of Ireland, we have Robbie Mulvey from Atlone Community Radio. Hello, Robbie. How are you? Are you well? Not too bad, Aidan. That's good, that's good. Yeah, so plenty to talk about as always, but we'll kick off with uh, a story, a roundup about um, about Derry City boss Rory Higgins. Yeah, um, apparently Rory Higgins is in high demand, so this is coming from the independent.ie. Derry City boss Rory Higgins has been linked with the move to League One side in England, Barnsley FC, according to local reports. It is understood that Higgins was he- has held discussions with the English club about the post which is vacant following the departure of Michael Duff to Swansea City last month. Higgins took the reins at Derry FC in April 2021, his first role as a senior manager and he secured back-to-back European qualifications and led the club to a first FAI Cup in a decade when he defeated Shelburne in last November's Aviva Stadium final. Despite being hit with a spate of injuries this season the club currently sit in third, six points off Leaders Shamrock Rovers ahead of Friday's league meeting with Sligo Rovers. With Higgins currently contracted to Derry until the end of the 2025 season, a move away from the Barneywell will come as a blow to the Candy Stripes, particularly with their Europa Conference League qualifying campaign beginning on Thursday week against HB47 from the Faroe Islands. Barnsley finished fourth last season and missed out on promotion to the Championships following a 1-0 playoff final defeat to Sheffield Wednesday last May. Barnsley faced a pre-season friendly against Clyde this Saturday with their first League 1 campaign beginning uh, at, uh, at home to Port Vale on August the 5th. Derry City and Barnsley have been contacted for comments but have yet to make any. So it looks like he is in high demand and this isn't the first time that a, a League of Ireland manager has been looked at. If you remember a few months back, Stephen Bradley, Shamrock Rovers manager, he was looked at by Lincoln City as a possible replacement uh, to take over from Michael Apple, um, Applegate. Uh, Appleton rather, sorry, and uh, he was looked at as the replacement to uh, fill that spot, but that didn't obviously go through. So it looks like it's not just uh, young talent that the English league and other leagues are looking at, it's potential young managerial talent as well. The one thing I would say about this though is that if you look at the resources that both teams have, you would have to imagine that Derry City would be the more attractive option, given that Derry City is backed by a billionaire and has plans to develop the, the club into a top world-class club over the next few years. I know they have plans in the pipeline to increase the uh, the attendances or the um, the fan attendances to a bigger 
or a, a, a larger degree, there's, there's stands being drawn up or there's plans being drawn up for new stands at the Brandywell. And I know they have big plans to get into the Europa League over the next few years. So you would imagine that possibly right now, Derry City is a more attractive offer. But, you know, again, if, you, if um, Rory has any ambition about him, then you'd have to say that he might just want to go into... Uh, see what he's made of. He might just want to see what he's made of and check out how how green the grass is on the other side. So, you know, a couple of big decisions for Rory Higgins to make over the next couple of days. And I suppose, really, when you, when you take into consideration, like you just said, there are the the managers that are uh, being scouted by uh, teams by teams over in England to uh, to manage the the clubs. It's um, there must be just that's something about uh, man- coaches and managers in uh, League of Ireland uh, le- that are managing League of Ireland teams that um, that attracts the uh, teams from uh, clubs from England to take over and uh, <clears throat> you know uh, take charge of teams. Yeah. Well. To be, to be honest with you, when you look at it like this, I mean, I'm always of the belief that if you can do a lot with very, very little, then, you know, you've proven yourself to be a very good manager. Uh, you know, I always go back to, and people will kind of laugh at this, but if you go back to the humble beginnings of Alex Ferguson back in the day, he took over a team in the Scottish third division called East Derlingshire, who only had about eight players contracted to the team, and they had... Uh, barely a ground to play out of them. By the time he was finished, six months later, they were top of the league and going for promotion, and they had a 15, uh, 15 players on the on the playing staff. So, you know, I think that's not to say that you know the, the managers are operating in a, a terrible league these days. We've all seen the improvements that have been made in the League of Ireland over the last couple of years, and. You know there is encouraging signs that they are looking to update the facilities over the next couple of years too. So, you know, I think the league is starting to get a reputation for producing again, as I said, not just uh, very talented young players, but also very talented young managers. And I think it's a, um, you know, it's it's sort of a hunting ground for ambitious clubs in the lower ends of the English pyramid to go hunting for potential diamonds in the rough. And I think. Slowly but surely, the, the league's reputation is starting to change. Whereas, you know, uh, the mentality before or a number of years ago from the English league would have been to look their nose down at us and look at us as a non-league entity. I think they're starting to rec- recognise the, the talent that's actually in the league, which is fantastic. That's it. And moving on to some further breaking news there. Watford FC owner Andy Pilly has been sentenced to 13 years in prison over fraud offences in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Look, this one kind of uh, like I was aware that he was going to be going to court to deal with some illegal issues, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I'll just give you the news first. A word for FC owner Andy Philly has been sentenced to 13 years in prison over fraud offences in the UK. Philly, uh, Philly rather appeared at Preston Crown Court in England for sentencing last Tuesday. He was found guilty of two counts of fraudulent trading, fraud by false representation, and being involved in the acquisition, retention, use and control of the proceeds of fraudulently missold energy contracts. Also, Chairman of Commercial Energy Supplier BES Utilities, Pilly, has been involved in UK High Court litigation with local authority Cheshire West and Chester Council, but lost a civil court case 
over investigating allegations of mis-selling. In a statement on the club's website, it said, uh, this is Waterford FC, they, they put a, website, a statement out on their website, Waterford Football Club acknowledges the sentencing in uh, the court case involving owner Annie Pilly. The club would like to reiterate convictions are against individuals and not Waterford FC or any of the businesses associated with them and will continue to operate as normal. So, number of uh, interesting points to note here. I'm sure that Waterford FC would have done their due, due diligence and knowing the situation or potential situation that they were walking into by having this guy come on board, they would have known that, okay, well, they're not going to get into bed with somebody who has a questionable record with dealing with finances. So, um, and obviously if there's a, a danger which has come through, through that has, has actually been the case that, uh, you know, there's a danger that their, their owner might be going to prison, I'm sure they would have put um, safeguards or firewalls in place to kind of guard against any uh, blowback coming on to the, uh, the club itself. So I would imagine, now this is all speculation, I don't know what the ins and outs of their dealings with Andy Pilly is, but you'd imagine that they'd have to have some kind of uh, guardrails in place from uh, situations like this going back on the club. It, you know, it obviously doesn't look fantastic that the owner of the club is now a convicted felon. Um, but you would imagine that um, there are safeguards in place for the club to run as a business uh, separate from uh, Andy Philly's situation. This isn't the first time that um, uh, this isn't the first time that a football club actually has had to deal with a situation like this. I remember a number of years ago there was uh, an owner of Darlington FC who was a former criminal and he bought he bought a company he bought the, the club and built a huge stadium and apparently uh, he got convicted later on as well so and obviously there's been known to be situations over in uh, the eastern bloc countries whereby uh, you know there's been gang involvement there's been mafia involvement so it's not the first time that football has been uh, involved with criminal activity but it is the first time I believe that an, an Irish club has been involved with a situation like this so it's it's going to be interesting but they're going to have to maybe um, you know it's it's they're obviously going to have to work hard to make sure that um, the, uh, the you know that the that the, the club sort of look is, is seen as, as a football entity and not something that is connected to the activities of Andy Pilly. They're obviously going to have to, uh, you know, work hard at making sure that, that both are, are seen as, as separate entities over the next coming years. Um, again, like I said, if, if there's safeguards guards in, in place, they shouldn't have any issues. Um, you know, we, we did have a situation before just uh, with uh, Galway United where uh, people remember Nick Leeson, the guy who brought down a uh, a, a bank or a country bank, a country's bank. Um, he was involved in trade, uh, in, in financial trade dealings, which uh, were questionable at best. But um, he was involved with Galway United. So again, we have seen in the past where questionable people have been involved with Irish football clubs. But uh, you know, again, Watford United will be looking to keep this on the. Uh, keep this on the football side and maybe just focus 100% on the on-field activities. 
that's it because I suppose really when, when you think about something like this uh, just briefly before we go on to the fixtures you, you kind of think of well like the goal thing the things going the way they are for, for him as well and which you know the season is still on for Waterford FC you know the transfer window is still open or whatever uh, you, you know how, how would that I was going I was going to ask but I think you kind of answered it there um, with regards to you know if Waterford FC want to buy and sell players um, you know how to finance that yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I think I, I think you're 100% right. I mean, obviously, anybody who's going to look to come to Watford FC, they will need to take a look at the situation. I mean, potentially, there has been word that, you know, that Philly, uh, Philly will be looking to sell on Watford FC over the next couple of months mm. and, you know, try and clear his debts that way. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a difficult situation. I think it's funny. I was looking online and people were asking the question, "Well, how is he going to? You know, what's the, how? Like, what is the situation here with regards to how he's going to run his business from jail?" And one of the one of the uh, one of the people online pretty much said that, "Look, if if uh, drug barons can run their businesses from from jail, their drug empire from jail, there's no reason why why uh, Pilly can't run Water FC from jail." So. You know, you can either take that as a as a sad indictment of modern society, or you can take it with a sense of humour. Um, but I mean, you would imagine that he will be kept abreast of what's happening, even from behind bars. So, you know, again, he's probably going to look to to sell on board for FC. I think, um, you know, the uh, they are looking to there are other uh, people that are circling the the club and, and looking to take. I, I, I'm not, not it's not confirmed, but. There are rumours out there that there are other um, companies or entities looking to circle the the, the, the club and try and, and buy it up from uh, uh, from Pilly over the next couple of months to try and obviously for him to clear his debts and to try and uh, sort himself out financially over the next couple of months and years. So we'll just have to keep our eye on that. But again, this it's it's an interesting situation. It's, it's a situation that sure Waterford could do without after all the issues they've had over the last number of years. So I think at this point, they're just asking the question, can we just get a normal owner who wants to run a football club and not have all this, these issues in the background, you know? So I think yeah. that's... They might have to if they could get if they could get a Saudi Arabian owner or something like that, like Man Man United did or something like that. That, that would cure yeah, a lot of. Yeah. Well, <laughs> enough, there was a, you say a Saudi Arabian owner. There was a Saudi Arabian company a number of years ago that wanted to buy Galway FC, but that kind of fell through at the mm. at the last minute. So, look, mm. we we pretty much had everybody. Now we've had criminals owning companies. We've had Saudi Arabian uh, entities looking to to buy clubs and you know you, you gotta ask the question what's next it, you, you know it, it wouldn't make a great movie Robbie yeah <laughs> absolutely so um, we move on now to uh, I suppose the League of Ireland fixtures in the first division and uh, the, um, the the League of Ireland Premier Division as well and uh, it's it's all action this weekend yeah absolutely so just to go through the fixtures for this weekend we're going to start with uh, Friday night and Derry City take on Sligo Rovers at the Brandywell. Drottie United take on Shamrock Rovers at the Head in the Game Park. Uh, so, obviously, the, the likes of Derry City and St. Pat's and the Bohemians will be hoping that Drottie United might be able to pull an upset there. The UCD host Shelburne FC at the UCD Bowl. St. Patrick's Athletic host uh, Cork City at Richmond Park. 
Uh, we've also got Bohemians taking on Derry, uh, sorry, Dundalk FC, and that's going to be at Daily Mount Park. All those games kick off at 7:45 p.m. So we're just going to move to the first division, and uh, a couple of big games there as well. Clone uh, Town are in action this weekend. Kerry FC are going to be taking on Treaty United. That's going to be at Mount Hawk Park. Speaking of Waterford FC, they're in action this weekend. Uh, they're going to be taking on. Uh, they're going to be hosting Longford Town. Uh, Wexford FC will be hosting uh, our own Athlone Town, so that's going to be a big game for Athlone Town. They're going to be looking to bounce back from a, a two-game winning stri- uh, losing streak. Uh, they badly need to get a good result this weekend. That's going to be in Ferry Terry Park. Cove Ramblers are going to be hosting Galway United at St. Coleman's Park, so it looks like, uh, on paper at least, it looks like Galway United have the points in the bag, but, you know, nothing's won on paper. And Finn Harps will be hosting... Uh, Bray Wonders. So all those games kick off at 7.45, except for Finn Harp's game. Uh, that kicks off at 8 o'clock. So those are the big games on this weekend. Uh, we just want to move really quickly to the uh, women's matches this weekend. Galway United uh, host uh, Cork City. That's going to be at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Treaty United host uh, Shelburne FC. That's going to be at 5 o'clock. Piedmont United Host Bohemians, that's going to be at 5 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, uh, Westford Youth take on DLR Waves. And at Lone Town, we'll be hosting Sligo Rovers at 7 o'clock. That's going to be at Lissy Woolen Stadium. So those are, sorry, those are those games are for, uh, sorry, those games are actually for August 19th. Actually, you can cut that piece uh, if you want. No to. problem, that's grand. And I suppose really, I know, um, you know, we could leave it till uh, closer to uh, the, the the World Cup finals. But uh, just just quickly, your thoughts on the uh, on the Ireland the women's Ireland squad? Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Um, I have to say, really uh, interesting how Vera Powell came out and pretty much said the hardest part wasn't actually qualifying, it was actually um, who was going to make the squad and who wasn't. She obviously had to uh, break the news to a lot of uh, a lot of players who maybe wouldn't uh, wouldn't be making the trip, and that's obviously a tough thing to do. To kind of that's the the, the not so nice part of the job. Uh, that's not the not so nice part of the job uh, of uh, being the manager. You've got to sit down and break the news that. Uh, you uh, that you won't be going to the World Cup, which which is you know a, a pretty tough situation to uh, to be in. But yeah, look, um, really interesting to, to see the squad. I was delighted to see that. Uh, um, I was delighted to see the um, that Heather Payne was was uh, in the squad, and uh, she's going to be going as well. Really interesting to see where she actually she actually named Heather instead of being one of the forwards. She was actually one of the backs. And uh, I have to say that's a really interesting situation to have. Um, Heather has that ability to maybe play uh, backs and forwards, and um, it's a uh, it's a really interesting uh, you know it's it's a really handy player to have in the squad. I think she'll be filling mm-hmm. in the uh, John O'Shea role. Obviously, John would be the um, John would, would have been back in the day if people remember John O'Shea when he from his playing days. He would have been seen. He would have been seen as you know a guy who could fill in anywhere. As a matter of fact, he filled in in goal one time for Manchester United. He was that. Uh, he was that. Um, he Flexible. Was that, <laughs> yeah. uh, experienced in filling in different areas. One of the things, just from looking there, I'm just looking down through the squad at the moment as, as we speak, and 
one of the things I noticed is that the squad is very, very experienced. Um, there's a lot of uh, Neve Fahey, for example, 35 years years old. Um, so she's um, there's a lot of experience in the team. Obviously, Katie McCabe, 27. Uh, she's probably the most well-known player in the team at the moment, and uh, somebody that maybe a, a lot of the younger uh, fans of the country look up to. Uh, you know, you got the likes of Denise O'Sullivan, who is seen as uh, you know uh, one of the more um, one of the more influential players in the team. She's got that ability to control the ball. She's got fantastic technique, brilliant first uh, touch, and the ability to uh, beat players and, and pick players out. So she will be very important to the team. But then you got uh, Ruasha Little John as well. She's 33, so really experienced team going to the World Cup. I think the, the youngest is Abby Larkin. Um, she, she's um, the baby of the team, and I think she's um, 18 or 19. Of course, the big player up front is going to be Albert Barrett, and her finishing ability has been uh, fa- is, is fantastic. We all obviously saw her uh, goal to get us through to the World Cup, which is fantastic. And don't forget, that was, that was at a tough time as well when... Uh, we had that um, unfortunate incident, a tragic incident up in Donegal, and uh, she had to kind of go through a lot of, uh, you know, turmoil there as well. Pretty similar to the Irish under-20s rugby team who uh, go through a bit of a, a tough time this week. But um, it's a really, really a battle-hardened team. There's a lot of experience in the team. Abby Larkin is uh, 18 years old. She's uh, she's the youngest in the squad as well. So she's very much gone for uh, fair pass. Very much gone for. A lot of experience in the team, and uh, this is a team that won't be overawed by the experience. I think, yes, it's going to be the first World Cup, but these guys have been around a long time. This group of players have been around a long time, and um, this is a team that is, you know, will um, not be afraid of, um, of of they won't be afraid of um, the they won't be overawed by the occasion. I think. It's going to be a lot of experience in this team, and I think that'll stand to them in the longer. That's it, and of course, uh, you know when you when you look at the players on standby that are travelling as well. I mean, they're they're travelling with four go- with four goalkeepers. Uh, you know, obviously the first choice keeper, two sub keepers, and uh, and another keeper on standby. It's it's like a goalkeeper overload. And speaking as a former goalkeeper, you know, I'd normally be on the side of the goalkeepers, but that that's too really too many goals. You'd want to be really unlucky now to have that. You'd want to have a serious amount of injury worries now for that to happen. Yeah, well, I think most of the, most um, teams usually take about. I mean, even if you look at um, club teams, they usually have three uh, three goalkeepers on the bench, which for me is is a little bit of. I mean, just I'm speaking personally. Uh, for me, is is a bit of a mystery. I mean, you can count on the number of hands, the amount of times you've seen goalkeepers come on for injured goalkeepers in matches. To be honest with you, I think one should be enough. I think the reason why they actually have uh, three goalkeepers these days is because uh, even backup keepers are called up to international teams uh, during the during the international break. So if there's games on during the international break, you would need another goalkeeper to step in. I mean that's the only reason why I can think of that they would um, that they would want to uh, that that they would want to have three goalkeepers on the bench. I would have to agree with you. I think you know it's very rare that you see two or three injuries happen to goalkeepers at any one time. Now, having said that, you never know if something might happen. Uh, Courtney Bosnell might clash with another defender. She might uh, have to go off with a uh, due to concussion or she might uh, have to go off with a, with a head injury. And you might need to bring on Grace Maloney or another goalkeeper. Um, Megan Mulch might have to, 
you know, be be ready to come on if, if something happens to uh, Grace Maloney, she might put her hamstring and she might need to come on. So maybe there is a bit of a you know, there is a reason to to have those three on, on uh, those two on the bench. But you would expect that, you know, you know, if if, um, if um, events were to follow uh, to to follow their normal course, that, that you know, you you wouldn't have any need for for the, the, the two backup goalkeepers. But again, you never know what might happen. That's it. Well, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, League of Ireland uh, chat with us, and we look forward to doing it all again next week. Oh yeah. By the way, just to, just to say, uh, what's going on on your show this week? Yeah, so we've uh, we've got a lot coming up on the show this week. I haven't actually put the show together even, so you can skip it for this week. Okay, yeah, no problem. That's grand. Okay, thanks very much for your time, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, no problem. Thanks very much. And that was Robbie Mulvey from uh, Long Community Radio talking about all things all things League of Ireland. Hello everyone, how are you doing? You're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty and the shows as always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. Well, now we move on to uh, another very important event and uh, one that's always uh, a huge participation in each year and that is the uh, 10 Miler and it's hosted by uh, Roscommon, Roscommon Harriers here in Roscommon and to take us through that we have uh, we have Noreen from uh, Roscommon Harriers. Hello Noreen, how are you? Are you well? Good evening Aidan, how are you? Not too bad. Great to have you on board and hopefully uh, you know we we can continue on having the interviews and updates about how the how things are going on in the club and events that are happening. So uh, I suppose yeah, this is one of the bigger um, I suppose events that you, you attend or that that you take part in and and host as well. Um, like I was talking to Seamus there and your, yourself, and there was over six six hundred participants. That's uh, that must be a huge boost, and it, it must be very proud for you as a club to be uh, hosting an event that of uh, with that with that amount of uh, participants. Absolutely. It's part of the National Race Series and uh, that's sponsored by Peugeot and it's run by Pop-Up Race. It's, so it's a huge annual event and it's it's one of the bigger events that uh, the club runs during mm. the calendar year. They also run a five kilometre race series every April as well. So um, it's a huge, it's a huge event. And uh, yeah, we had nearly 600 participants registered and in excess of 500 ran on the day. So it was a massive undertaking by the club, you know, and it wouldn't have been possible without um, the committee and the marshals and, you know, would say the, the lead bike and the, the welfare bikes. There was there was four bikes on the course that um, would say we're going doing welfare checks on the runners during the day. They had the civil defence and an advanced paramedic in situ on the day should anything go wrong. And of course, Hannon's Hotel was there on hand like with the food and they were brilliant and of course yourselves were there with music and then of course the residents around the area and the road closures you know they were absolutely fantastic and very supportive of our our race on the day and leading up to it as well and of course all the runners that turned out and came to Roscommon for the day from far and wide was just it was phenomenal and you know it's great for the local economy and you know to showcase the beautiful amenity that we have in Mount Park and for the hospitality and the businesses in County Roscommon so you know it's absolutely brilliant and you know it was a great undertaking for club members as well and the people that came out to support us on the course and of course it wouldn't have been possible without our sponsors you know many of whom were most were all local businesses and you know we really need to think about supporting our local businesses 
because of the support that they give to things like this and you know you can't be asking others like these are the ones that we always knock on the doors and they're brilliant that's it yeah. and uh, how, ma- how many um about how many years has this event been going on then by uh, Roscommon Harriers? So, if it wasn't for COVID, it would have been our 10th. Right. So, it's it's the 8th actual live event. So, there was there was two years that we, we weren't able to run it. We, I think one of those years we might have done it virtually. I don't know about the other. Mm. But um, it would it would be the 10th year. You know, the club was, was set up in 2012. There was only a few members at the time, but it has grown now to in excess of... 70 members so you're quite a big club now at the moment that's it and I mean it's uh, you know obviously there are, it's well represented by, by other sports and I think there was that need for people that, that, that wanted to do kind of running or, or, or athletics and that's that, that, I suppose you saw a need for that and that's why that's why you were Scum and Harriers was set up and it's gone it's gone from strength to strength as you said from, from that uh, you, you know when it was set up and I suppose really when you when that was set up uh, years ago um, could you have envisaged that you'd be maybe uh, you know hosting hosting an event as big as this? Absolutely not. It started yeah. off with just a few members, and I think that the, the the rationale was to to try and do Dublin City Marathon and for them to train together. And I think that's that's how it started. But then it grew and grew, and all these other things came on. You know, and like we're constantly recruiting new members and you know taking in new blood, of, and like we've had a lot of new members this year who you know have have been fantastic and you know it makes there's a, there's a huge welcome for them and we, we welcome people coming along you know still any time of the year if people wants to join the club there's you know there's a great welcome for them and great mentor from couch to 5k all the way up to a marathon if people want to do it that's it and there's different there's different um Abilities cater for in the in the club Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, you event know, as well. it doesn't. It's 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 not just for the people that wants to go out and do marathons. Yeah. You know, people that want to just learn to run from scratch. You know, that's the couch to five k. You know, the people that we've had that started our couch to five k this year, like, have done really really well, and you know, they're delighted they've done it, and you know anybody can run you just you mm. just want to do it and it's a very social thing and it's good for your mental health and you know there's great mentoring and support and companionship within the club for people that wants to join and wants to start running for the first time you know and even if there's people that wants to join to help with their training for Dublin City Marathon or for company for their long runs, you know, we mm. invite them to come along. And of course, there's, uh, you know, there's great coaches in the club, obviously, and that's uh, that's the key to uh, getting, uh, you know, go, you know, to attracting people, like, you know, having good coaches and that, and uh, for, for the different disciplines, I suppose, and doing, doing what you're doing as well. And uh, I suppose if there's there's people out there that uh, are kind of considering uh, getting getting involved in running, and we say we're scumming, uh, we're scumming Harriers as their local club, how, how, can get the, how can they get more information? or get involved or who can they contact? Well, they can look up our Facebook, the Roscommon Harriers Facebook page or they can turn up to training on a Tuesday or Thursday evening at 7 o'clock. Um, it's there beside the, the County Council car park. So we meet up there every Tuesday evening. And, um, you know, there's always somebody there and there's always someone that'll have a, a great welcome for anyone that wants to that's it. It's, it's good. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, look us up on Facebook and send us a message, and um, you know, we'll and you make friends for life through it as absolutely. well. Absolutely. You, know, you know, I I joined the club myself in 2016. You mm. know, because I wanted to do a marathon, and um, you know, I've made lifelong friends, and it's it's very sociable, and you know, you've. 
great fun going down, going along the roads and having your chats and having your runs and you know there's a bit of competition sometimes but sometimes it's just you know it's it's great for just the fun and the chats as well that's it and I suppose really for the for to to uh, I suppose organize to get involved or to, to host something like this you know it's not a just like people turn up on the day and then there's this person there and there's this person there. there's actually a lot of a lot of organization and uh, a lot of time to be put in I suppose maybe even six months in advance of the of the actual uh, event itself because I suppose it's insurance is organized the, the marshals and all those kind Health of things. Health and safety, everything like that. You know, the, the the preparation for this has gone on since since well before Christmas. You mm. know, it's 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 a huge body of work, and it's the club members and you know a, a race committee that put it all together. You know, and then obviously they get help then and support from. Yeah, from from different. Yeah, and I suppose really, you you know, there there are other. Um, I suppose destinations around the country for in the series as well. Could you tell us about those as well? Destinations for yeah, yeah where the where the other the rest of the other the series um, other places where the series is or is it, it's just for it's just for Scotland. Well, there's Scotland, but they're they're countrywide as well. I think there's about six of, yeah. of those ten mile ra- and they can find that out. They can on find the, those on the on right. the Facebook page as well or on the on the. That's it, and it's it's great to see it and uh, the progress. And uh, I suppose over the years, um, you, you know, to see the increase, uh, the increased amount of people. I mean, six hundred people uh, turning up to this. It's uh, th- there's a lot a lot of organisation for for those when they actually arrive on the day. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we we have have some great runners that come from all over. You know, mm. and it's it's still very good. We run the county champions. You know that's open to all the Roscommon clubs as well as part of that race, and uh, you know we're we're very proud to to to, to congratulate our own club members. We're, we're featured heavily in that in that um, for Roscommon, our county champion male. First was Adrian Smith, second was Declan Ryan, and third was John Fitzmaurice, all from Roscommon Harriers. And then on the ladies' side, we had uh, Anna Dooner first, Michelle McNeil second all Roscommon Harriers and then we had Irene Casey from Boyle AC so that's you know that's brilliant and it's great to see that I suppose the um, the amount of time the, the, the runners and the, the people that take part in it you know the, the, I suppose outside of doing the events the amount of work they put in as well uh, between between events Absolutely, you know it's 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 a commitment, you know. But it, it it's up to it's up to every individual as to how much running they want to do, or you know what what commitment they want to put in. And I suppose from from your point of view and your your involvement, uh, when did you get involved with it? And um, you you know um, you, you you enjoy doing it yourself. Um, well, I initially started running probably to. You know, keep weight under control, keep and fish, yeah. <laughs> get, get rid of a few pounds. Yeah. And um, of course, I was I was going to a lot of the social nights that the Roscommon Harriers have and are renowned for. So I think probably a lot of people think that I was in the club a lot longer than I was. But I joined then because I had the goal to do a marathon, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that by myself. So that was my own personal. That's it, and I suppose it's easy for people to take part in it or to kind of register. They can register online, or they can register on uh, on Facebook or something, or register on the day as well, can't they? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, with if for the for the, the, for the ten race, miler, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. It's it's always advertised on social media and on Facebook and 
in advance. So, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to register for the race, definitely. That's it. And I suppose really on, on other events that you do and other uh, competitions that you take part in, um, you know, that, that that's great as well. And, the, you know, to take part in them. Well, indeed, the Ruscommon Harriers, you know, they support all the local fundraising races, you know, things that are going on for local schools and local charities. And in fact, today, some of our members are out supporting the um, 77 kilometre show your muscle fundraiser for Archie, you know, to, well, to raise, lovely, yeah. raise money for the, for a new buggy. So um, I hope anyone, you know, can support that. And some of our club members are out supporting that today. That's very good. And I suppose if anyone wants to support kind of things like that, obviously the information is on is on the the Facebook the Facebook page as well. And uh, you know, it's it's great to see um, you know all all that uh, that that you're getting involved in. And of course, on the day it was oh, it was. Um, uh, um, Holly Carroll was at it as well. Absolutely, and and Holly is an up and coming runner, and she's the under under eighteen, you know, youth Olympian representing Ireland. So you know that's that's absolutely fabulous to have that kind of talent coming up through Roscommon, and you know there's there's some very talented athletes coming on stream from the county, and Holly is very prominent there, and you know we were very fortunate to have her on the day, and she was very generous to give her our time to do the prize giving and all the rest so it was, it was an honour to have her that's it and of yeah. course I, I suppose you know it's great to see uh, the level of success from uh, Roscommon pe- people take part in uh, you know sports around Roscommon obviously you know you have this uh, this event and you know Holly doing well in what she's doing and of course Le- uh, Lisa and Aoife O'Rourke as well in the box and so oh, it's great yeah. to see it's all the in women's sport as well it's like brilliant to see, yeah. yeah definitely you know the, the county is, is, is doing well in sport at the minute, you know, and it's it's great to see it, and it's it's great to see it getting the support as well. And I suppose look, looking uh, looking ahead to the rest of the year, and maybe into next year, um, what what's coming up in the next year? Obviously, I know there's events coming up there, but what are the goals for the coming year, or what are you looking forward to for the next year? I suppose the immediate focus now at this stage would probably be Dublin City Marathon and people that are are in the club that are doing their couch to 5k maybe some of them might be trying to increase now and get up to a 10k 10 mile you know for others I think there's about 8 or 10 members registered for Dublin City Marathon so the training for that is ongoing now and um, the long runs at the weekends are up to in and about 10 mile approximately so um, people get together to do those so that you're not doing a big distance and long time. It's about pacing road, yourself as well, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's about yeah, pacing yourself and and you know being being able to to manage the and the, of course, the distance and the time. Yeah, you know, so and there's people there to advise as well, isn't there? Like the coaches and that there would advise and help. Absolutely, with like that. yeah, yeah. There's 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 any amount of expertise and there's many a many of an experienced runner there that's, that's able to share their experiences and and that's knowledge, that, that's yeah. great as well and uh, you know for and uh, listen I'd like to wish you well for thank, thanking you for coming on the show and wishing you well in the coming years and hopefully you know uh, you know throughout the year we'll be we'll be doing some more interviews with the uh, with people like yourself from the club and hof- hopefully everything will go well mm. thanks very much Aidan and no like problem. thanks for bringing your 
no music problem. out to his last Saturday as well. It no was, problem. Was that that nice. was great. It's, it's great to be able to to go to those events, and uh, you know it's great to have you in the studio. And uh, as I said, any time come come in, that's that's no problem. So uh, so thanks very much for that. And that was uh, Noreen from uh, Roscommon Harriers uh, telling us about the ten miler race that was on last weekend. And uh, next up, we have uh, the premier the premier hurling legend, the the uh, rattler. Uh, Mickey Byrne and that's coming up after this Hello everyone how you doing you're very welcome to this week's edition of uh, the Premier Premier Hurling, Hurling legend Lou Rattler Mickey Byrne and uh, with me to discuss all, to discuss this uh, Hurling legend we have his son uh, we have his son Noel Byrne and of course a good friend of mine uh, Noel Walsh hello lads how are you how are you doing Aidan thanks for you Thanks very much for, for joining us. And uh, yeah, so just to explain to you, um, as you know, the uh, Tarlis are Tipperary is the birthplace of the GA in Ireland. And of course, uh, you know, because uh, I suppose Tipperary is the essence of GA, uh, we thought it would be appropriate to uh, discuss this this man, uh, the Rattler, Mickey Byrne, um, who has been a, hur- a, a, a hurling legend and a, I suppose a hurling icon in Tipperary. But I suppose just to just to um, uh, know your his son Noel there for a minute. Um, I suppose yeah. a lot of people would know him as uh, the Rattler Mickey Byrne, the hurler. But he's also Mickey Rattler Byrne, Rattler the Mickey Byrne, the family man as well. So I suppose growing up with him as um, you know him being a family man, um, that would be the different side to, that people mightn't see to him. Uh, what was he like as a father and a husband and? Uh, I suppose, just to have as a friend. Yeah, I suppose uh, the best description I would give him away from the hurling world, uh, Aidan, would be he was a hard-working man. He was a truck driver all his life with the sugar company and in latter years, uh, Aaron Foods. Worked very hard and at weekends in his spare time, he ran a hackney service. So there was we were a large family. Uh, there was... Seven of us in it, two passed away at a young age. So, <clears throat> as you know, the, the mother in those times was always at home. And so the, the Rattler was the, was the main breadwinner. So, um, and through all of that, he still fitted in uh, a good hurling career as well, Aidan. So, hardworking is probably the best description I could, I, I could uh, describe him for you. That's it, and of course, Noel, you knew him as well. You had, you had the honour of knowing him as well. Can you give me uh, your? We say some of your memories, maybe of him. Well, I've only seen it on YouTube and that, but he he was from what my family were saying. He was a legend in in all all ways. As Noel has just said there, like. That's it, and of course, uh, you, you yeah. know, I suppose uh, uh, he would have been of the same era of Chris as Christy Ring. Obviously, similar in many ways, like a family man as well. Uh, yeah. Seen the documentary of him uh, of uh, Christy Ring, and he was a he was a truck driver as well. I know, I think he drive for uh, Shell or something like that. Um, I, I suppose no more than Christy Ring. I suppose uh, the Rattler Mickey Byrne. He would have went everywhere. His hurler, his hurley would have went everywhere with him on the. On his journeys, wherever he was going, in in the truck as well. Yeah, as you as you mentioned, Ring Christy Ring, um, there were there were great uh, rivals on the field, uh, and uh, I suppose uh, there was no prisoners taken. But the, the ironic part about it was off the field, even even past when both of them had retired, they were great friends. They they kept in touch, 
Ring was a regular caller to our house uh, in Turles. And, um, you know, they had great respect for each other. Mm. And um, just as you mentioned, Christy, there was one particular story, Aidan. Uh, I think it was a Munster semi-final down in Limerick. And um, Tip and Cork. Game was, time was up. And Cork got a line ball uh, in injury time. And sure, no one better than Ring to put it over the bar. And Cork won the game by a pint. But but afterwards, both teams, in those times, Aidan, uh, both teams used to go to the same hotel, sit at the same table after a game and exchange pleasantries or whatever you like to call it. But uh, after that particular game, the Cork won it by a pint. And um, both teams adjourned to the, to the Green Isle Hotel on the Ennis Road afterwards. And they were all sitting down. And, of course, who was missing was Ring. And um, I think he was going to have to get in a few stitches. <laughs> but um, when he did make an entrance, they were well into the main course. And, of course, to be fair, both sets of players gave him a round of applause. Yeah. And the rattler, the rattler did pass a comment to Christie. He says, God, Christie, we'll have, we'll have to shoot you, Christie, like that, you know. <laughs> and... Quick off the tongue as well as the rattler. Ring's response to the rattler was, "By Jesus Burns, he says you tried everything today." He says, <laughs> "By many strokes were pulled on that day." Uh, yeah, but it was left on the field. That's that's the one yeah. thing uh, that you can say about it. You know, compared and I suppose, to, to... Um, when, when you think about like hurling back in those days, the hurley was different. I suppose the rules were different. It was uh, no holes barred. Kind of the similar as, as today as well, but I suppose the hurlies have changed throughout the years. Uh, the rules have changed as well. I suppose the championship, the way the championship has played, has has played out as well. I mean, it's gone a lot more scientific nowadays compared to then. But you still had to be very fit, and you had to be able to take the rattles back in those days because uh, I suppose the referees, the referees back then weren't as whistle happy as they are now. Like they'd, they'd give they give freeze for anything now, really. Absolutely, yeah. The rattler used to say with the modern game, he says, you could hurl now with eggs in your pockets, he says, and they wouldn't break him, he'd say, you know. Oh, but it is a different game, isn't it, Noel? Yeah, big time. Totally different. Yeah. And from the from the videos you would have watched, Noel, uh, like you were saying on YouTube and different things like that, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on, we say, hurling back then and hurling now? And I just mentioned the, uh, the the shape of the hurl as well. That's changed a lot over the years as well. Oh, it, it has, but... yeah. Um, back then, like, just, you're getting slaps the whole time. Like, and yeah. it was funny, as you said there, about referees. You know, Your favourite people, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, back then, it was... Some hurling, some legends, as Noel said there, Christy Ring, Mick Mackey, those boys, you know, you'd look up to them now, but sadly, they've all passed away, but, like, if if people can carry on the tradition of hurling in now, like, with the likes of Joe Canning and those boys, like, it's brilliant to see that, you know, and... Yeah. I've retired hurling there in um, 2013, and God, it's still has come on since I've stopped playing. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, training and everything, the amount of yeah. effort that you have to put into training nowadays. Yeah. 
is uh, is something else as well. But and another thing ba- about between back uh, between back then and now is there was no Harleys and there was no shin pads and uh, you know. And uh, what's your thoughts on um, like Noel just said there a few minutes ago about uh, about um, the Rattler Mickey Burns relationship with Christy Ring. Um, you probably would have seen the um, the documentary on Christy Ring as well, and yeah. uh, I suppose it was very sad how it was kind of, you know, like how he said how he knew himself. He said, "Look, I can't play today," and you know, the next, the then one day people woke up and heard that he was dead. That was a rather that was rather sad that people didn't get to say goodbye to him. Uh, before he passed yeah. or whatever, you know that, that that was kind of a sad thing for a legend. But I suppose after he retired from playing, he he actually gave an awful lot back to Harlan. As in, you know, he did a lot of coaching with various teams as well. Coaching, yeah. That was nice as well, wasn't it? Oh, it was, yeah. Um, like you look at different players throughout the era; they all give back in when they finish, like mm. you know. And that to me is kind of brilliant, you know. They're finished. They've put in their time on the field. Now they're putting in their time as a selector or a manager or uh, that, like, you know. So it's great that they do it that way, like, as well, like. Yeah. And I suppose, lads, as well, just to touch on another point, uh, I think it's very relevant. A huge thing back then as well was the Railway Cup, wasn't it, in both hurling and football? It was nearly as big as the All-Ireland back then, wasn't it? Like uh, Ulster, Munster, Leinster and Connacht and... uh, you know, yeah. obviously for, for Connors, it was probably mostly Galway players <laughs> as it kind of is now. But, you know, yeah. th- there's nothing really about the um, about the Railway no. Cup nowadays. And that's sad, isn't it? It's it's another yeah. tradition lost. Yeah, the Railway Cup was the highlight of, of the players back in, back in those days. I have a photograph there inside one of the other rooms of the Munster team. And to look at the players on it, uh, Ring, John Dial, the Rattler... Jimmy Finn, Tony Redden, all these greats of, of the game and uh, and from other accounts, the records of Wexford and you could go keep on going naming them and naming them. But what stuck out to me more so, apart from the photograph of the, of the great team, was the crowd that were there. There was, yeah. there was always on average 70,000 80, to 80,000 in Croke Park on Patrick's Day for, for the Railway Cup and the Rattler treasured those medals as much as anybody, and they're a lovely medal as well, a Railway Cup medal. Uh, it's a medal with with the four provinces on it. It's a colourful medal, and um, took great pride in that medal. I can tell you any time you know the, that monster won it, you know. But it's look at I, I suppose what has probably happened is the present player is committed so so much to his county and his club. Trying to fit everything into into a calendar year is next to impossible. You know what I mean? They're they're semi professional it is, you know what I mean. That's it, and like when you consider like this year, uh, well, for the it has been the way for the last couple of years in uh, both Leinster and uh, Munster, like it's round robin now. So you know mm. they only have they play two or three game two or two games in a row, and then they have a weekend off. And if they're not training, yeah. if they're not playing, they they've trained, and, and it, it it is a totally different lifestyle for a hurler now compared to to back then, but. Uh, you know, it it was just um, uh, you know, just to name some of his achievements there: five All Irelands and five Monster Championships, and uh, yeah. how many how many uh, Railway Cup medals has he? He has six Railway Cups. There you go. So that's a that's a huge achievement, and it's a testament to his career, Noel, isn't it? Yeah, seven national leagues. Yeah. So uh, what do you think of that, Noel? Uh, Noel Walsh. Yeah. Uh, 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 but funny enough, before Noel says, yeah. of all the medals that he has, um. 
he takes he, his biggest um, pride, I suppose, would have been his fourteen county senior titles. Yeah, which which is a record in Tipperary, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he'll never be equaled. I think, I think Jimmy Dial was the nearest to him with nine or ten. I think one of the two Mivara lads had eight or nine as well. But those fourteen medals, they were his pride and joy. He thought more of them than any railway cups, any all irons. You know, won them with his friends, with his mates, all his club mates, and um, so yeah, they stand out as as being the number one highlight of his career. And I suppose mentioning about his club as well, uh, he, he, back then you would have stayed with uh, with your club with the same club that that you started with. Uh, I suppose at under twelve, right up. I suppose with the exception again of Christy Ring, who uh, who changed from his club to to uh, the Glen or whatever, you know. So that, but uh, back then it was kind of it, it was you, you more or less stayed with your club or whatever, unless you obviously you moved to a, yeah. a different part of the co- country. Yeah, there was no underage hurling then back then as well. Aiden, right. Uh, okay. The first, the first kind of experience you had with hurling was when you went to school. And um, there were different types of cup competitions. Down here in Tipperary, we have the Harty Cup competition and Dean Ryan Cups, things like that. They were the kind of your introduction. And then your first, from a club point of view, minor hurling was your first um, your first opportunity to, to wear a club jersey. There was no under-12s or 13s up along. Uh, that wasn't heard of back then compared to now. And this far and against... Uh, you know, the, the, some people say that kids are getting too much of it. They're starting playing under 10 now and they're, by the time they come to 15, 16, they have enough of it and they're turning to other sports or they're just packing it in altogether. They don't have the same appetite anymore. Yeah. Um, so this far in against Aiden, you know. That's it. And just in the background there, we were we were saying off air, they're a lovely framed Jersey, you were saying that there's there's a lovely story behind that jersey, uh, behind that yeah. jersey, and above it, the three in a row tip team as well. There's three photos there. Could you tell yeah. us a bit about them? Yeah, that that's a tip three in a row team. It's the only tip team to ever win three in a row, and still is the case to this day. But the particular jersey that's that's hanging on the wall is uh, the Raptors' 1949 jersey, and um, they went to. Um, after winning the All-Ireland in '49, they beat Leash in the All-Ireland and they were due to go to America in uh, October, which was a few weeks after the All-Ireland. So they were doing a bit of training, getting ready for their trip to America when, after training one night, the famous Dan Breen drove in under the, the stand above in the sports field in Turles, which is now Semple Stadium. Mm-hmm. And all the lads gathered around and Breen said a few, Dan Breen said a few words, wishing him the best on their trip to America and opened the boot of the car and took out that box of jerseys and gave them all gave them all their jersey and he insisted that, that they wear it to the county board that they wear it and he emblazoned the, the Irish crest on every jersey. As you know, he was a fierce uh, fierce Irish man Dan Breen was and, and wanted those jerseys wore and they did. They wore those jerseys out in America when they went out and um so we're lucky enough to still have that jersey, Ed, and it's it's a pride of place in this house, I can tell you. And what are your thoughts on that, Noel? That that that's a nice uh, that's a nice touch, isn't it? It's very nice touch, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, uh, on, on the graphic, you, you you would have saw as well, and you were telling me off air as well. Um, I have the picture of the, his book as well. 
uh, yeah. of his life. And you were saying there's a Roscommon connection out there. Our listeners here in Roscommon would be interested to hear this one. Yeah, funny enough, um, as well as as being the hurler he was, the Rattler was, was a great character. He was very quick-witted and quick off the tongue and was always a great man to tell stories. And a lot of people said to us as a family that we should record all those stories and put them in a book form. So myself and my brother Paul, who Paul is the oldest, Paul won an All-Ireland with Tip in 71, uh, they beat Kilkenny. But Paul and myself and a good friend of ours, who's, uh, Michael Dundon, he'd be the editor of the Tipperary Star. And uh, the three of us got together over a period of six months and we put that book together. But around the same time, Aidan, we got a phone call from a chap from Roscommon who had moved to um, Hollywood in Florida. Wow. And he's named Mark Rowe. Oh, yeah. We, right? I'm not sure if you know the gentleman. Yeah. But Mark moved to Hollywood in Florida uh, with his partner, Karen Flynn. Karen was um, a girl from Nina in Tipperary. And they were opening a business um, a kind of a pub, an eatery, and that type of thing in um, Roscommon. And Mark Rowe rang us around 2008 or nine when they were when they were setting up in in, in Florida to know could he name the pub after the Rattler. Mm. And so we said yes. We were privileged to be asked. And but I did ask him at the time. I said, "How in the name of God?" I said, "There's a man from Roscommon." I said want to call his pub in America, I said, after a Tipperary hurler. And Mark said to me at that time, when he was growing up, his father was uh, a Tipperary hurling fanatic. And the Rattler would have been his idol. Very good. Going back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and he could think of no one better to call the pub after. So we gave him due permission to continue on with his project, and I'm glad to say to this day, it's a thriving business out there. And uh, we visited, and it's uh, full of hurling and football memorabilia from Ireland, and lots of the Rattler memorabilia is, is dotted around the various uh, walls of the pub. And uh, I just think it's a nice story. Um, yeah. And, and uh, good luck to them, and I'm delighted that they made a huge success of it. That's it. Just another uh, thing on Roscommon. I think I might have said this to to Noel as well. Uh, there's a story you you, you heard of the um, Jimmy Murray, the the brilliant uh, footballer years ago for Roscommon, and yeah. uh, he had a he had a pub in uh, a pub in the Crockery where he was from, and um, he uh, years ago. Now my my dad was a was a fireman at the start, but the, the, at the time, but uh, they uh, the pub went on fire. Okay. And he had he had the the ball from the nineteen uh, fr- from the year to won the All Ireland. Okay, uh, a lot of things were burnt down, but that was the one thing that was actually saved that wasn't that wasn't destroyed was the football from that All Ireland oh. final. So it's uh, you know he was delighted. Now Lord Marcy, you know, he's no he's no longer with us, but uh, you know mm. that, that's an era that was full of of football and 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 hurling legends and. You know, and it's no more than nowadays. Uh, nowadays we have uh, our hurling uh, legends and football legends as well. Yeah, but it's not it's not a lovely little story and a lovely little uh, connection. Yes, absolutely. I suppose just going back on to uh, I suppose his love of hurling. How did his love of hurling or his interest in hurling come about? And uh, maybe a bit about his club as well. 
Yeah, funny enough, um, the Rattler was born and he's, he spent his early years in Dublin and moved down when he was very young, around eight or nine. And um, his, uh, his uncle, believe it or not, was a coffin maker. Oh, right. Right, and he met him, his uncle uh, met him his first hurley when he was only eight or nine, and believe it or not, he made it out of the lid of a coffin. So you can imagine what that hurley was like. So over the, over time, he, um, he he developed a love for the game, and um, he worked, like I said earlier, in the sugar factory, which was very hurling-driven uh, industry, sugar factory. Anyone who was anyone worked in the sugar factory, great hurlers, uh, all the farmers brought in their beat there. So there was a huge hurling connection everywhere he turned throughout his life. And um, that's probably where the early days, and he went into the Turles CBS then, the Christian Brothers in Turles, and played, played at various underage levels and, and won various medals and stuff like that. And then that led him into his, his club scene with Turles Arsenal's and a club he idolised all his life and um, was president of the club for a good number of years, captained them, winning numerous county titles and stuff like that, and was a great ambassador as well for the club because in latter years when we was finishing up, we had no All-Ireland Club Championship back then, Aidan. Right. And, um, a lot of games were invitational, uh, so Turles Arsage went to Lincoln, Brett of Ireland, playing exhibition games and stuff like that. And, you know, so <clears throat> it, it was part and parcel of his life. He couldn't escape it. And and uh, it rubbed off on the rest of us as well. That's it. And, uh, you know, I suppose uh, the tradition is, has been in the family, uh, has been in the family ever since. And I, I suppose, uh, you know, it, it is great to see. And I suppose like a lot of people, if you say, if you say to them, you know, where, what's, uh, what's your favorite ground or where would you have loved to play? Now, not everyone has played in Crow Park, but a lot of people would say Crow Park. But I was in, uh, lucky enough to be, to be, um, I suppose in Semple Stadium with Noel and if we just be, just, visiting it and having a look around in it. Uh, yeah. So, like, I mean, even just being there and having a look around, there's something special about, you know, e- even when we visited it the, the couple of times there, um, Noel, there was something special about it. You know, there was an aura about it. Yeah. That's funny enough. And, and, and Noel is right when he when he says there is an aura. But funny enough, Turles people, I, I suppose it's, I don't say they don't appreciate Semple Stadium, but we take Semple Stadium for granted up there. Yeah, do you know we do, yeah. You know what I mean, Noel? And, yeah. and you can, I'm, Noel walks in there anytime he likes. He'd be, he, he's, you know what I mean? Whereas people from other counties and stuff like that, Noel is a regular attendee at tip training sessions. He can walk in there, have conversations with the Liam Cairns and the Jamie Callens of this world. And, you know, Whereas people from outside of Turles or Tipperary or wherever, like that's a huge thrill for them to get in there and then yeah. I, I say, oh, well, am I? We take it for granted. We're right there, yeah, yeah. We yeah, take it for granted, like you know, yeah. and like I'd, I'd love to go there any time I can go, and it, like there's a few times there I was stopped from go, going in watching them training, like, and that that would would, would annoy anyone, like you know. But you know, I've seen how passionate they are about it. Like, yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't want um, other teams seeing them and their tactics, like either. Mm-hmm. You know, behind closed doors. Yeah, 
Do you know? Yeah. That, that would be that would, that would be the right reason, like, but you know, you, you I'd I'd get a sense of kind of power and Yeah. yeah. Trail from being inside that that's fit stadium, like. Yeah, and from a from a tourist point of view as well, Aidan, uh, I don't know, did you see it on your visit to Zembra Stadium? But outside is is the is what we call the outside fields, Aidan. Yeah. Uh, that would be Turles Arsfield's, uh, uh, we'll say, home ground, as the fella says. Hmm. And uh, so everywhere you look up there, then you have the Turles Arsfield Social Centre. You now have the dome that's beside it. At the back of Semple Stadium, you have Dr. Maris Park, where all the inter-county teams train. And that, that's being upgraded, floodlights, all weather. So it's it's moved on to a different level. It's 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 more of a commercial thing now as well, uh, as opposed to years ago. You know, that's it. And I suppose the feeling I got, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a special feel. But like when you think about it, you know, you think about all the all the legends, like the same kind of like you'd have in Crow Park. You think about mm. really the legends that would have played on that yeah. pitch. Like there's a pitch here in Roscommon at St. Coleman's Park, and that's where like Connacht games, the the county team used to have their games years ago. And uh, you think you know the the Jimmy Murrays and all the all, all those special and and Roscommon football legends and that. But also like in Thurles, you have all the legends from Cork and Tip and Clare and all these. And it's just amazing, like when you think about God, you know all the all the players down the years that would have played on that pitch. Yeah, and those play those counties you mentioned, uh, Cork, in, Cork in particular, as as Noel will vouch for, Cork love coming to play to Turles. Yeah, you know, yeah. Semple Stadium is still renowned as the best sod, hurling sod in the country, and that's not taking anything from Croke Park or anything or any other pitch, but that grow is there all the time. You ask any inter-county hurler from any county, where where is the one place they love to play, and they all say. Uh, Semple Stadium in Turles, and uh, and that aura that you mentioned, Aidan, that's that's there, and and that'll continue. And like I said, particularly with the Cork people, Cork people love coming to to, to Semple Stadium, and yeah. uh, it creates an there's an atmosphere of its own. It takes on a life of its own. When Cork are playing are, are playing in Turles, Turles is a different town altogether. It's the atmosphere. Oh, it do you good, wouldn't it, Noel, just to walk up? Yeah. When Cork are there, and even just walking up to through the square, yeah, yeah, they're the best supporters of of, yeah. of them. I say that's it, and it's nice, uh, you know. I, I, I had the honour of being uh, myself and Noel went to the went to the uh, Tip Limerick mm. game, and like you see, you see Monster Championship games, like in in uh, in uh, Park and Cueve and all that. And you say, God, you know, every, every Monster Championship game is amazing. And uh, But to actually be there uh, on, is, on the Monster it, Championship day is lovely. Yeah, Ed, you mentioned on it, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about commitment with players and, you know, the round robin and stuff. The round robin, that's the one thing, if I, if, if, if I was to probably say, the one thing I miss from, from Monster Championship hurling is what we used to call knockout day. Yeah. Like, you got your chance... You played quarter final, semi final, and to do or die on the day, and yeah. that created a completely different atmosphere altogether. You might say it's unfair on the players that they're training for four or five months to lose one match and they're gone, but that that, that special um, feeling or the, that special atmosphere 
has has kind of like the round robin thing. Okay, if we lose today, we have another chance next week, or whatever, or a draw, mm. or whatever. You know what I mean? And and um, you know, I think okay. I know the GA will disagree with me on it, but it's the one thing I miss uh, from from the Munster Championship is the knockout hurling aspect of it. That's it, and I think nearly you know because of that in the round robin series as well, it nearly takes. You know, like if you lose a semi-final or if you lose the final, it's you know the monster final. Yeah. It's okay because there's the great, right. there's the quarter. That's what there's, there's a safety net, but back then there wasn't. So that 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 uh, kind of brings a bit more intensity to to uh, sure. monster final or monster semi-final yeah. day as well. Yeah. Is that right? No, I'm sure. I've no doubt as well. The same the same applies in all the provinces. You know. Yeah, that's it, and. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, there's something special about it. So listen, thanks very much, lads, for taking the time out to do uh, oh, this, week's, uh, this week's this uh, week's podcast, and we look forward to doing it all again next week. Absolutely, Ed, no problem. And no thank problem. you, Noel. Well, thank you for opening the door, Noel. Well done. No problem, no thanks much, Noel. And thanks very, thanks very much, Noel Byrne as well. So, okay. uh, that, so that that was myself and Noel Byrne and uh, Noel Walsh talking about. The Rattler Mickey Burn. And uh, don't forget to join us next week for episode two. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's Hurling What's the Score with myself, Aidan Rafferty. And of course, as always, we have former Limerick senior hurler, Andrew O'Shaughnessy. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Are you well? I'm good, Aidan. Thank you very much. Not too bad, no, not too bad. That's great, to, great to hear, and hope all is well with yourself. And uh, yeah, we've some, uh, we, we've uh, two great matches. It has to be said to look forward to this weekend. Obviously, you know Galway, Galway versus uh, Limerick. Uh, that that'll be of, of huge interest to you. But the other one is it will, will be just as good. Um, you know Kilkenny versus Clare, and you know when you see Kilke- uh, Clare's form as well, um, you know that that makes the other semi final as well. And of course, uh, the Cats win the Leinster Championship. You know that they're they're a good side. As well, but I suppose we'll uh, we'll have a look at uh, start off. I suppose with the Limerick uh, Limerick and uh, Galway game, and uh, I suppose look at you know uh, on the uh, on the outside of it, I suppose ter- uh, Limerick will be going in as um, hot favourites for for this. But uh, you know, I suppose with, with Galway, yeah, they had a they had a, a good win. Well, a two point win. Um, they were very dominant over the uh, over um, Tipperary in the first half. But then, in fairness to in fairness to Tipperary, they came into it in the second half. Uh, you know, they, they made a, they made a, a great comeback. But I suppose the the one thing really, you know, the two things that you'd look at um, from a Galway point of view that they'd need to push up on just just to get to a final would be, and maybe to a certain extent, there were failings in the Leinster final would be um, maybe their shoot their shot selection, um, their wide count. And even I suppose defensively, they really need to tighten up defensively as well. And when you when you consider they're going into this game without Jason Flynn as well, um, it's it's going to be uh, it's a tough task for them. Yeah, it is a tough task, of course. It's another semi-final in Galway. Have been consistently there over the last five to six years, and they will not fear Limerick more than anyone else because they always perform against them again there's literally been a poker ball the last couple of somebody all around in 2018 there's literally been a poker ball between the teams um, they have the physicality they're probably the team as physical as Limerick the only other team as physical as Limerick in a championship they can match them phys- physically and they can also match them hard so they'll be up for they got through that, the qualifying in Tipperary like, they, they, they know themselves they didn't play as good as they can so they'll be happy enough there right we got through that and now it's time to improve so they, they'll at the train the last few weeks they know 
where they need to improve and they'll be a dangerous kettle of fish on, on Saturday for Limerick but you see maybe that might be their, their trump card against uh, Limerick the fact that uh, maybe you know people have seen them, seen them defensively and uh, you know I suppose you know in the Leinster final when you when you look at their Leinster, Leinster final that they, they played really well and, and could and should have won and I mean they had a two point win I suppose that's or a two point lead uh, that's a, a dangerous lead going into the last five five or ten, five minutes or whatever um, you know in a Leinster final especially against Kilkenny because you know as as we saw in the Leicester final and we we discussed uh, you, you know you're you're never home and dry until the the, the full time whistle and uh, yeah defensively they were let down that but um, you'd like to think that they did show some uh, you know very good uh, very good fight and uh, you know they were they, they played very well against uh, Tipperary as well in uh, in the last game but um, yeah they'll, they'll um, they, as you said they'll be they're going into this game. And they won't be fearing. Uh, they they always lift their game for uh, for Limerick as well. But I suppose looking at Limerick as well, I mean they're 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 going into this game with uh, with injuries as well. Yeah, so like you could you could argue that these semi finals are always going to happen. So you say, go we were looking to lift the final. You could argue Clare were lucky in the month final. So saying taking that unlucky that unlucky streak out. So go we should have won Leinster. You could argue Clare should have won Munster. So they still would be. The same setup, so you would have Limerick meeting Galway as Limerick as runners up, meeting Galway as Leinster champions, Clare as Munster champions, meeting Kilkenny as Leinster champions. So they were all kind of distant to meet each other, no matter the result of the provincial final. So it's like there's four, the four form teams in the country, with the, maybe the exception of Cork, who slightly unlucky to be out of it. Um, it's like the, the Limerick Galway match will be extremely tight call and as you mentioned there you alluded to there a few injuries so it's fine people can recover from injuries but the, like you, people don't realise how instrumental and how critical Declan Hannon is to the, that Limerick team he just he sits there he just dictates he's like the quarterback he just dictates it he doesn't put any big massive hits but he'll get a fix the ball away he'll get the body hand pass it two yards he'll strike it five yards he'll strike it twenty yards he'll strike it hundred yards over there he's that good so trying to replace the likes of him will be difficult enough. But again, that's that's the the modus operandi for this limited team is next man up, next man up. If you get your chance, and it's the same with any high level sports performing team. So if someone's out injured, that gives an opportunity to someone else in the panel, and that's your chance to seize it. So you cannot complain if you don't seize that chance. So whoever steps in for the cannon. They have a job to do, and I'm, I'm sure they will do. I suppose, uh, yeah, they're similar. They're similar, I suppose, in a lot of ways to Dublin in that uh, you know they have that strength and depth um, as well. And like you know, if if there's if there's someone injured that that usually starts, you know, they have that strength and depth in the squad that um, you know someone else can come in, and it doesn't weaken the starting fifteen. So you know that that's a great situation, especially. And it's the little it's the little things that can that can tip the scales, like as Paddy O'Shea said once. Uh, you know, the, uh, a grain of rice can tip the scales, and uh, you know, certainly, you know, when it gets to this time of the year, uh, you know, All Ireland semi-finals, it can, it can be decided on on the tiniest of things. Yeah, and then so you can recover from injuries, but we Limerick have two key injuries to the defence. Like, so you're missing Sean Finn and Dehan. Like, Sean Finn is without question been the best cornerback in in Ireland for the last five years. And Dekan has been the most influential centre back of of this generation. You nearly are, you could have. Yeah. So it's always good replacing people, but how good you can replace those. So you can replace one defender, but trying to replace two then will we'll just have you vulnerable to a certain extent. And 
if anyone can see in that vulnerability, it's the likely all with their their forwards or their forwards or the lightning patterns. That's the one way that you can expose any good defence is the speed of your attackers. And yeah, that's if I was saying, I know that's the the line I'd be going. That's the the avenue I'd be going. Run, run, run. That's it, because when when you look at this Galway team now, they're they're up against a very good Limerick team. Um, so I suppose a couple of key things will be, you know, a will be obviously they're starting fifteen. They have a sit. They have an exceptional uh, squad of of players as well. But also, you you know, it's kind of the tactics as well. And I suppose from that point of view, so far this season, um, I suppose in in certain or in, in most games, what are your thoughts on uh, like is he is um, Henry Shefflin getting close to getting it right, ta- getting things right tactically? Hopefully not. Um, but he, he seems to be. They're yeah. like, likely they're on a trend and there's incremental improvements every day. So they were unlucky, extremely unlucky to lose them to find them. But at the same time, they gave Kilkenny an 8 point, eight point lead and then the last Higgins, Tipperary, they were, they were up 8 points <coughs> eight point to the low Tipperary back and back game. So they can go ahead, but when they do go ahead, they kind of maybe lose concentration and let teams back in. And equally, they can lose concentration, not be chewed in from the start and let teams get away from them. But they, they have the ability of wiping out that lead in, in no time. So, like, so if you do get a lead against them, the best way to keep that lead is just keep t- tapping on points. Um, and equally then, if, you, if you're down to them, again, same thing, keep tapping on points and just they, they might lose concentration. That's your way to get back into the game. And look, looking at looking at Limerick as well. I mean, John Kiley for this game. Can you see him making any? Obviously, you'll have to make two personnel changes. But I mean, tactically taking in the mind the, into consideration, the likes of um, I suppose Connor Whelan and players like that. Do you think he'll have to change things maybe tact- tactically um, for this game from a Limerick yeah, point of, of view? Yeah. Of course, you're from Limerick, so I alluded to Sean Finn being missing, but he's been missing for a while now, so he's not been replaced. He'll come back next year, but he's not been replaced at the moment. So there's only one replaced that can, and it's just a matter of who they're going to get best fit for that centre back position. Because if it's going to be Kyle Hayes, it's going to be Dan Morris, if it's going to be Darrell Donovan, someone like that, you're, if you're replacing one, your your key foundations of your defence or your midfield, and just, they just have to how you want to replace that person that's still in for the cannon. But on the plus side, you have to, you all you for like people forget this. Like so, the cannon will be replaced by any individual but then the person to replace him then is going to be you know on probability keen, keen inch twice yeah. over the year so that's it's not a, a bad complaint but that's again it. you want to get keen, keen inch in not maybe from the start kind of even into the game but look it's it's, it's up to man, management but leave to have options and I mean, like with those two players, with Keen Lynch, he can play. He can play in midfield. We've seen him playing for UL in, in midfield, but he can also play in the forwards. With um, you know, with Kyle Hayes, you can play him in defence, or you can play him in the forwards as well. So there's great flexibility. So if any changes has to be has to be made during the game, you know that those are two changes that you can make. But you know, you don't know until the day will will any changes have to be made throughout the game. So uh, that that's called that that makes for an interesting game. And I suppose moving on to the other semi final. Then uh, and then uh, another, like I said, just as just as interesting a game is Kilkenny and and um, 
Clare, like like I said there at the outset there, you know, with Clare, you know, the the bet the, the bet Limerick in the first, in the round robin and uh unlucky again in the in the monster final. So they they'll be they'll be battle hardened, they'll be a tough they'll be a tough nut to crack. Um but I suppose, you know, Kilkenny have the they've won the Leinster Championship as well, the the Leinster title. You know, when when you see some of the serious talent, I mean you know, the the goalkeeper alone, like he he's amazing, you know, on on Murphy. Um brilliant goalkeeper. But not you know he's a brilliant shot stopper, but, but his distribution is is amazing. That'll be that'll be key on uh, on uh, this, this weekend as well. And I mean you know when you, when you look at other players that he have, obviously TJ Reid, um, you know how are Tipperary or how are Clare going to are, are, how are they going to get around him? But I mean look at with this Clare team, there's going to there's a, there's other teams, there's other players as well that they need to look out for. But um, yeah, that that's going to be an, that's going that's going to be interestingly ta- interesting tactically and see uh, the starting fifteen on on those days. Yeah, exactly, and I feel clear coming into this match are in a lot better position than they are coming in this time last year. They were mm. quite tired and exhausted, and just with a break of a few weeks and getting through the match against Dublin relatively easy enough and picking up no injuries, they'll be really, should be hopping off the ground and they'll be up for the match. Um, again, it's like any team that no matter who, who you are, the only respect they show you show teams with disrespect they just go out and annihilate what's in front of them and no matter if you're coming in all Ireland like Limerick did no matter if you're coming up a team like Carlo they'll go out and they'll just hurl against you and that's a, a sign of quality and a, tr- a true history and and just res- knowing hurling and that's that's what Kilkenny are so it's a hard one to call so every round of the week I was saying Kilkenny Kilkenny but the closest is getting out and Claire won't be far off because um a nice rest and a nice lead into it and give a give a big monkey to get off the back to right the wrong from last year so we'll see how they go about that that's it and uh, you know either way there's, there are going to be two cracking games and uh, you know whoever I, I think whoever emerges for, for, from this semi-final and makes it to the final it, it, it'll make for a good all, it'll make for a good All-Ireland final as well which is which is great as well so yeah so thanks very much for taking the time out to uh, Harlem what's the score with us and we look forward to uh, looking back on those games and I'm sure you'll be hoping that, uh, that it'll be a Limerick, a Limerick victory Hopefully, yeah. We host win the tournament, so I'm hoping for a Limerick victory. And I actually put wouldn't particularly mind who we get in the final. Yeah, you know, that's that just look after yourself, and you can't control other matches. That's so it. We'll, we'll see. That's it, and uh, it should be a, a great day, a great two days in Crow Park. So listen, thanks very much, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, man. No problem. Thanks very much, and that's former Limerick senior hurler Andrew O'Shaughnessy talking about all things hurling. Hello everyone, you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafty, and the show is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon, and I just want to give a big shout out to uh, to Louise McMahon, who's uh, very hard studying for her, for her exams, so I'd like to wish her all, all the best for her studies. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to say that. And uh, yeah, so um, as I say, it's it was a it was a great weekend of sport last week uh, to, for qua- the quarterfinal stages of the All Ireland Senior Football Final. And uh, to give us his thoughts on on those games, we have former Roscommon goalkeeper Ray Lannan. Hello, Ray. How are you? Are you well? Good, good, Thanks very much. Not Thank too you. bad. Great to have you on board as well. Yeah, it's uh, like we're saying. I suppose it was a mixed, a mixed bag of matches over the weekend. I suppose you had excitement and you, you had uh, one or uh, a match that maybe that wasn't so good. But I suppose really, the, the, the an interesting game was that was the 
was the Monaghan and uh, Armagh game. That that genie that went really down to the wire and two uh, two rounds of uh, two two rounds of uh, penalty shootouts. That, that because it, it went into sudden death. And of course, Conor McManus was was delighted. He said when it, when it didn't go to a third round of uh, of uh, penalties. Yes, Aidan, and you know what, Aidan? Um, the Monaghan-Armagh game was the only bit of excitement really in the weekend. Yeah. Um, you had Armagh, probably the weakest of the four group winners, playing Monaghan, who were a strong team in local derby. So in all of the group, all of those quarterfinal games, that was probably going to be the one closest and tightest because you have local derby, Monaghan strong, coming up against Armagh, the weakest of the group winners, in my opinion. And uh, as it transpired, it went down to the wire, two penalty shooters. But generally, Aidan, it was a very uh, poor weekend for the GA fans because the matches were poor. Uh, Kerry and, and, and uh, Tyrone was a damp squib. Mayo and Dublin was, I would call, a second half a challenge match, non-existent. Yeah. And, and I put that down to the argument I made last week was that the teams that came through the, 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 the prelim quarter-final were penalised by having to play probably two, three weekends in a row and then the teams they meet having a two-week uh, rest and in fact, in the case of Dublin and Kerry, Dublin had to play Saigo and Kerry had to play Loud uh, three weeks before that. So in fact, they had two weeks break because those games were no contest. Because, so I think myself, the GA fan, it was a poor weekend for the GA fan, in my opinion. I think the GPA should stand up and sort this out about teams having to play week in, week out, without a break, and then meeting teams, strong teams, who have rested, repaired, and replenished the resources in to take them on so if you look at the two results the big results Kerry and Tyrone 218 to 12 points Mayo and Dublin 217 to 12 points there you have 12 13 point gaps in a fair fight with both teams coming into this game rested well prepared and everything else in my opinion they're closer tighter matches and you have better uh, bang for your buck as a supporter but in fairness I think supporters got poor um, they got poor uh, quality for their for their money last week poor matches one sided games and it could have been different, in my opinion, if teams went in properly prepared and rested and not being penalised by having to play a preliminary quarter-final a week before a knockout quarter-final. So there you have it, Aidan. The championship business end of the season condensed into a couple of weeks mm. and teams coming through after playing a lot of meaningless games coming through then and being penalised when it comes to the crunch against the Kerrys and Dublins, Aidan. The Kerrys and Dublins don't need that advantage. It's the other teams that need breaks and rest and recuperation. Dublin and Kerry can manage them. The squad... The they have strength and depth, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. if you look at it, favour that. So, in my opinion, the GA... I don't think... I said to you last week, there's no other sporting organisation in the world, in my opinion, would tolerate that. Yeah. Allowing one team having, a, 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 in my opinion, an unfair advantage like Dublin and Kerry over Mayo and Tyrone. And ultimately, it's the GA fan suffering because they're paying out good money, in my opinion, to see that, which was poor. I was in Crow Park for that Dublin Mayo game. And the minute that Dublin scored a goal after half time, I sent the guy beside me five minutes in. We got one three, so the game is over. So we won mm. 30 minutes of what it was, to all intents and purposes, a challenge match. Similarly with Tyrone and Kerry. I don't see it's all down to that. Let's face it, Dublin and Kerry could beat most teams in a fair fight either end. Yeah. You have to have balance, you have to have fairness, and you cannot have this sort of system where a team is penalised, playing a prelim, and going in playing a knockout quarter final. So the whole system is flawed in. That mm. you come to the business end, you have all these matches, and all the meaningless matches, Ed, and as we said last week, group stages, you could predict who was going to get through. And then when it comes to the quarterfinals, the teams have to go to the prelim, going in on, on, on empty gas tanks. And that's why I said, even if Roscommon beat Cork, Ed, it would have been very, very difficult for us to beat Derry, in my opinion. Mm. 
having to play that three weeks in a row. So there's my view on that game. I think it's, it's really, uh, that was a bad weekend for the GA. Poor system. Not, not everybody been treated fairly, in my opinion. And I think it has to change. And the GA or the GPA should stand up to that on a mm. welfare grounds and say, hang on, this is not on. you got to get the teams at the same amount of recuperation, especially in quarterfinals. Ed, because there's no safety net after that. They're gone. And uh, mm. as I said, Roscommon against Derry, Roscommon wouldn't have beaten Derry coming in playing three weeks in a row. In fairness, Cork isn't a good game. I think Roscommon would have done the same. Roscommon would have played Derry and come out four or five points behind them. But in a, in a, in a, if a, a fresh Roscommon team, mentally, physically ready, well and, and able and ready for that game, Aidan, I fancy them to take Derek, you know. That's it, but I, I think maybe, uh, you know, uh, maybe a solution to all this would be maybe start the, start the championship a bit earlier and maybe, you know, the teams, you know, play this weekend and all teams have the following weekend off or kind of schedule it, you know, stagger it, that, uh, you know, each team gets a week off between each round. Yeah, but I think, I think Aidan, teams should go into matches with the same preparation. It mm. shouldn't be one team, and I, and I mean... If one team has three weeks prep and another team has two weeks prep, that's not too bad. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. But I'm saying no team should have one week prep and the other team having two weeks prep. That's not on, especially with the played mm. three matches or whatever, like Roscommon Cork, these teams have played. So I was at the game in Crow Park. I think it was very disappointing. Uh, like I could see physically Cork falling away in the last 15 minutes, that, so in the last 20 minutes, where Derry really had them at arm's length and missed the penalty. But Derry were far superior in the last 15, 20 minutes. In. Like you could see the tiredness in Cork. And similarly with Mayo, they just okay. In fairness, Mayo's defence. I don't know. I think Kevin McStay. I think he made a wrong decision. The defence was very poor. I think O'Hara shouldn't have started that game. I don't think. Like I'm not trying to personalise, but he's not a great defender. Park O'Hara double targeted him, Aiden, and they really went to town there with with uh, Basquale and uh, Costello. You know what I mean? And mm. Hessian was on the bench. Hessian had a good game against Galway before. You have to go. Aiden, you always go like they say about about form training. Mm. You go with your best team. We had it during the summer. It was coming. You go with the players that you know can do it on the day. In training, fair enough. But you got to go with your best 15. And if your best 15 ain't happening, then you bring in the guys who are performing well in training. That's my view on it. But yeah. You go with your established players that you can rely on and trust to do the job. And that's what Mio's defence, unfortunately for them in the first half, that was laid two terrible soft goals in. But I think at the same time, because of the tiredness and everything else in them, they weren't able to come back. Okay, they were missing um, Mullen as a big loss, the Mushin Mullen. But getting away from that, Aidan, I think Dublin probably would, would have still beaten them in a fair preparation fight, if I, if, if, as you my analogy. Mm. Still, may, may owe themselves. I, I don't think they did themselves any favours with the team selection. And as well as that, they missed an awful lot of easy chances. The more than ourselves down the court, they had the goal chance there to McLaughlin. Could have made a game of it, Aidan, in the second half, but they weren't able to do that. But there's my view on it. I think Tyrone... You know, Tyrone have been struggling all year. I know people say they're struggling all year. Fair enough, they are. But Tyrone have a big game in them all the time. But I just think the way Kerry were up for that game, Tyrone coming in on a heavy schedule as well. They were playing Donegal the week before. You know, I think you have to come up for it. Look at Mayo, right? They play Galway in the, in the prelim quarterfinal in, in, in Galway. Assault is. You have to get up for the game. It's a massive game. You're playing Galway. Theoretically, the second best team in the country. Get up for that game, beat Galway, and then come down. It takes about four or five days for them players yeah. to come down from such a the de- elation. Of There's no recovery time, Ray. Um, no, re- yeah, it's more, it's more psychological as well as physical, mm. but you need that break because you, you know yourself from played. You get the freshness yeah. that's in the legs and in the mind having yeah. had that break. But I just it really I, I know I made the argument last week. I said I sort of said who win. Now Monaghan had the best chance because they were playing the worst team in my opinion. Armagh, they're a funny team. They're not that great. Take Rian O'Neill and a couple of more players over there. An average team, you know, hmm. but the likes of 
Derry are a fine team. There's no better midfield in Ireland at the moment than, than uh, Glass and Brendan Rogers. They're absolutely phenomenal in the middle of the field. They're good forward, Shane McGuigan, decent backs, you know, Christian McDaig, McCall, these guys, really good players, a good goalie there in Lynch. Derry are a fine team, Aidan. And wait and you see, they'll give Derry a right good game. Dublin, they just turned on, didn't they? They turned on yeah, the back they were... last week. They were absolutely on fire. Mayo didn't help them through their team selection, but also I think their prep didn't help them. And then, of course, um, you had their Monaghan game. So, yeah, I think, Aiden, I think, I think, I think it was very disappointing for the fans, the quality that we, that we saw in Trump in the quarterfinals. It was a big letdown, yeah. big disappointment for all the fans there, full house in Trump Park, and you had, let's face it, an ab- it was just a waste of time there in the second half watching it. There was, there was, just, there was nothing, there was no excitement, no drama, no, you know, uh, if you like, um, participation by the, the fans. I was towards the hills in an alley stand, a couple of Dublin fans would time up started to chant come on you boys in blue that was only yeah. once in the whole match you know so there you go that's my take on it Aidan I think, I think you know you have all these games you have a condensed season game after game after game after game and then when it comes to the crunch it comes to the business end knockout everything on the line and one team has, a, has, a, 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 has an advantage over the other team in terms of their uh, preparation and I don't think that teams should be penalised just because they don't win the group. It shouldn't be penalised. That's it. And I suppose, really, you know, let, let's hope that the All-Ireland semi-final delivers a bit better than what the, the, the quarter-final did as well. Yeah, I think, I think it will, because both teams, mm. all them teams will come in, Aidan, fresh. They're going to yeah. come in with the same press. You know what I mean? They're going to come in, like Monaghan and Dublin. Like, let's face it, Dublin are the favourites to win that game, but Monaghan, you can't rule them out. Everybody's been writing them off and writing their uh, epitaphs all year. Everybody expects them to get relegated from Division 1. I thought they'd get relegated from Division 1. I thought they'd go nowhere in the championship. You know, they beat Tyrone, okay, and then Donegal beat them. So you think they're gone. Um, yeah. But they're, they keep, they're, they're, you know, there's no, there's never say die, man, and they're an incredible outfit. And yeah. The only thing about them, man, and they admire, they're well able to take their chances. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're and they have, they have experience as well. Like, yeah, they, have, they have experienced like campaigners. They have that thing that I talk about, Roscommon, that we lack. You know, that we don't have that killer instinct. And I'm hmm. not saying this, it's an, it's an issue that's still the Roscommon team, like, let's face it, we did, there was four games this year we could have won if we took our chances like the Cork game the Kildare game the Dublin game and the Galway game and, and that's, it's, a, it's an issue for our common management to and do it's it. something that we can work on as well isn't Absolutely. it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so, so listen thanks thanks yeah. very much for um, taking the time out to do uh, local local uh, J with us and you know um, let, we're, we're looking forward to some to the All-Ireland semi-finals and uh, we, we look ahead to them next week could I say this last year? Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out Derry running Kerry very close. Or yeah, it should be a good you game. Know, you know, sometimes you can play your All Ireland final too early, mm. and maybe Kerry. You know, Kerry always has this thing about Tyrone getting up for Tyrone, and you know, maybe they got up for that game too quickly. We we'll see yeah. about Derry because Derry have it. Wouldn't Kerry have an ordinary midfield? Derry have a strong midfield, and they're a good, solid team with a lot of experience. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility of a Derry. Maybe a Derry Dublin final. That's it, and uh, it's going to be very interesting and something to look forward to. So, listen, thanks very much for that, okay. and we look forward we talk, look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Ed. Bye bye. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Ray Lannan, former Roscommon goalkeeper. And uh, we'd like to thank everyone. We'd like to thank you for uh, tuning in. We, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the show, but we hope you enjoyed everything that we had. And we hope uh, if you're going to any games this weekend, you hope we hope you enjoy them. And uh, we'll talk. We'll be back to you again next week. So until then, thank you. Bye.